Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Good morning. It is Monday, May 17th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. Here to start this week, Trey is slated to be back over the next few days. I hope everyone had an enjoyable weekend and is looking forward to the week ahead. I got my 7 a.m. workout in this morning. I feel refreshed and I'm ready to talk about something we will see quite often over the next year. And that, of course, is mock drafts. You know, we're still a year away from the 2022 draft. But of course, we can't get enough of seeing where our favorite teams are going to pick. And, you know, I thought to myself, I got to have the guys on to talk about the mock draft that they put out weeks ago. And of course, that is Andrew Ivins and Chris Hummer. I have to have them on to talk about some of these picks. I have to have them on to talk about my New York Giants, who could very well own two top 15 picks next season. So joining me now are the two who put this mock draft together, Chris Hummer and Andrew Ivins. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. Happy to have you both on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having us on, Lance. Yeah, man, excited to be here. Before we start, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, and kind of laid out for our listeners regarding the order of the picks, they're indicative of the Vegas odds, right? Not necessarily where you both think these specific teams will finish next season. Yeah, I I mean, neither of us really have any idea if the Houston Texans are going to have the top overall pick, but Vegas seems to think so, I assume, because Deshaun Watson isn't expected to play this year. So we got the Houston Texans first, and we just use Vegas odds all the way down to kind of figure out who would pick and where. So let's start then with those Houston Texans with the first pick. Andrew, you have them slated to pick Spencer Rattler, the quarterback, obviously, from Oklahoma. It seems like right now it's either he or Sam Howell as the top thrower in 2022. To you, what separated Rattler from Howell and led you to choose him with the first pick? The fact that Lincoln Riley has already produced two quarterbacks that have gotten number one overall in the NFL draft. And uh, I mean, no, look, I, I just think when you go back and forth between Spencer and Sam Howell with North Carolina, I mean, you can make a, a case for both guys. And we've seen a ton of other people do mock drafts, a ton of other NFL draft analysts. And, and there seems to be no consensus about who number one is. We went with Spencer Rattler, I think, because he's a little bit better when it comes to making those off-plane throws. And he is, like I said, you know, learning from Lincoln Riley, one of the best quarterback developers. We saw what he did with Baker Mayfield. We saw what he did with Kyler Murray. There's some other guys out there that are a part of his quarterback tree. So look, I think the NFL is a copycat league. And I'm not saying Spencer Rattler is Patrick Mahomes, but I think he's got some similar some similarities in his games in terms of how he throws 
on the run and gets creative. So that's kind of why I went with the nod. Spencer, number one to the Texans. Of course, look, you know, the Texans drafted Davis Mills in uh, the 2021 draft, but I think there's a good chance they're they're not going to have that good of a season and they're going to be picking uh, number one come next April. Chris, I want to stay on offense. The first two wide receivers off the board are Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, both from Ohio State. And look, we're used to obviously seeing over the last couple of years, Alabama receivers at the top of the draft, whether it's, you know, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy from a couple of years ago, this past season, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. However, you guys only have one Alabama receiver in the first round, and that's John Mechie at 17 to New England, pairing him up with Mac Jones. In your mind, is this the season and is 2022 the draft? Is that draft the one where I guess Ohio State starts to maybe take the reins from the tide as quote unquote wide receiver you and grab that right to call themselves that, you know, grab it away from Tuscaloosa and bring it now over to Columbus? It's funny that we only talk about one or Alabama receiver going in the first round because that's a pretty ridiculous measure the Crimson Tide have put forth the last two years with back-to-back first round picks twice in the first round. That's never happened in the common draft era. So it's very unusual to see Alabama with that type of production. But actually, if you go back and look at what Barton Simmons, our old colleague, did last year, he did a position you series looking at kind of the best schools producing draft picks the last five years. Ohio State was ahead of Alabama. And even if you include Ohio or Alabama's two first round picks this past year, Ohio State has still had more players drafted at receiver than Alabama the last six years. So Ohio State was already in that position. And I think we're about to enter a really golden era for the Ohio State receiver room. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, two guys that Andrew and I both think are first round talents. You put them there. And then they also have a really, really dynamic young crop of receivers. We saw Jamison Williams actually transfer from Ohio State to Alabama, citing the depth and the lack of playing time in Ohio State's receiving room a couple of days ago. And that just goes to show you how deep that room is. And I think Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave will be two of the best five receivers in college football next season. And I think both of them have traits that translate really well to the draft. I expect both of them to go in the first round. And then in future years, maybe you're talking about somebody like Jackson Spicknick-Jigba going in the first round. (laughs) And also a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., potentially even uh, the son of the NFL legend, who's going to be a true freshman next year. It's just a loaded crop. Andrew, I have to ask about my New York Giants. Right now, they are at 9 and 12 in the mock draft. I'll ignore 12 because that's the pick they obviously received from the Bears in this past draft, moving down from 11 to 20 and drafting Kadarius Tony. I'm intrigued with the George Karloftis pick, the defensive lineman from Purdue. I think, look, he'd be great to add to Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, uh, Aziz Ojolari, and, and others. I got to tell you, though, just my own opinion, if the Giants are picking that high with their own pick next year at number nine, I think Dave Gettleman, first and foremost, won't be the one making the pick. And there's a good <laughs> chance, I think, the Giants are probably looking for a quarterback because if they pick nine, my guess is the Daniel Jones era in New York is probably over, or at least they'll be seriously considering moving on from him. What pushed you towards Loftus, and what do you like about him in the trenches specifically? Well, I mean, let's just kind of circle back to, you know, the Giants picking at nine. I think when we constructed this mock draft, you look at some others and they're just throwing names out there and hoping they stick. I think me and Chris kind of approached it with, hey, let's look at teams needs, try to project, you know, maybe not a ton of trades or exits or, or free agents or, or, or whatnot. And, and the Giants were one of those teams where like, hey, maybe they would take a quarterback. And look, right now we're not hearing or you, you don't hear other pundits dubbing this upcoming 2022 quarterback class as being generational like we just saw a few weeks ago. But who knows? I mean, we still have 11 months in a college football season to play out. So maybe 
we will see five, six guys go in the first round. But we tried to go as conservative, I think, as we could at the quarterbacks. And look, you know, it wasn't a great wave of interior pass rushers this past year along the defensive line. I know George Karloftis is, you know, I, I think he's a scheme versatile guy. You, you could play him on the outside. He, he could get inside sometimes. I actually remember when he was a recruit, he uh, he was down in, in my neck of the woods. He did Miami's Paradise Camp as, as a real youngster. Uh, I think he was only a, a, a freshman or a sophomore in high school at the time. His dad actually went to Miami, played at Miami and ended up at Purdue because he grew up in West Lafayette. So I, I think he's an intriguing talent. I think this defensive line class as a whole is much better but we got to see him kind of put it together because you know he was in limited by injuries uh this past season but he was dominant as a, a true freshman with 17 tackles for loss and, and seven and a half sacks you look you pair him with uh Aziz Ojolari who the Giants took in, in this most recent draft and all of a sudden that pass rush is, is much better you brought up a, an interesting point about just the quarterback group in this 2022 draft there were five taken can you I guess in your own opinion, how does this group compare to the 2021 group? Because obviously, you know, I don't think any of them are as good as Trevor Lawrence or as rated highly as Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson obviously out of nowhere. And then you have Justin Fields, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Do these five that you have in the first round, how do they compare to the five that were just recently taken in your mind? In terms of those five, I think Andrew would probably agree with me. Nobody nobody has the high-end ceiling of a Trevor Lawrence, or even when you talk about athletically from an arm strength standpoint and just from like a tool standpoint that even a Trey Lance or a uh, Justin Fields have, maybe outside of Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback, we might discuss a little bit, but I think he's a little... He's not as far along as those two were. So when you look at this draft class, I think it's got more questions and answers at the top, which is why I think if you look at the 2022 mocks as a whole, you see so many different options at quarterback. I think there are legitimately 10 to 12 quarterbacks right now that could kind of be in a fringe discussion to go BQB1 next year. And I think this quarterback class, I don't know if a significant step down is the right way to put it. It's a deeper class. But when you talk about just the quality at the top, I don't really think there's a home run answer or a home run answer three like there were in the uh, 2021 cycle. I would have to agree with with uh, with Chris here. You know, maybe there's not the elite elite at the top, but it does seem like right now, again, without a college football season, without all the pro days, without the NFL scouting combine, it seems like there is a group that is 10 or 12 guys deep. And I'm sure there's going to be people that kind of emerge out of nowhere. I know one guy that me and Chris not are in love with, but we seem to be pretty high on it is Carson Strong, quarterback from Nevada. So he's coming from the group of five level, you know, probably the average college football fan doesn't know who he is, but he's got a big arm prototypical frame 6'4 has thrown for over 2300 yards in, in back-to-back seasons we had him going uh number 10 overall to to the washington football team look you know so it, it, who could be the guy that's not the power five quarterback we think he's one and then another one is the guy uh, chris mentioned malik willis at liberty man he, he he's an auburn transfer he's playing for hugh freeze i'd actually heard from some some college contacts that they thought maybe he would try to transfer back to the power five level and he looked he would have had a ton of options. Uh, look at what Derek King did at Miami. Uh, you know, he had no shortage of, of suitors, but he's for now staying at Liberty. And I think he's another one that's at a little bit lower level that NFL scouts are going to be taking a close eye at uh, or look at this fall. 
And at least for me with my Giants, you know, one guy I'm intrigued by. And look, if Dave Gettleman is the one making the pick, which personally I hope he's not. I'm not a huge Dave Gettleman guy. If he is the one making the pick and the Giants do draft quarterback, I have my eyes on JT Daniels because we've seen over the last couple drafts, Dave Gettleman surely loves his Georgia Bulldogs with Andrew Thomas two years ago and Aziz Ojolari. Uh, obviously this past season in the second round. Chris, you know, we've seen obviously the devaluing of the running back early in the draft over the last few years. We saw two this past draft in Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, but I think we could even start calling that a rarity to have more than one moving forward. Oklahoma running back Eric Gray was the only one you guys had going in the first round to Miami at pick 27. What catapulted him into being that one running back in the first round? And are there any guys that you believe could also work their way into the end of day one? I think the running back position is super interesting in general. I still think there are playmakers to be found in that position. It's just shifted in the way they're used um, a lot of the times, as we see, for example, with Christian McCaffrey and Carolina. The importance of being able to kind of be effective in the passing game is just unbelievably kind of critical. And we saw that last year with Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, who were both among the best pass catching running backs in the country. Eric Gray specifically, he's a guy that Andrew and I are kind of betting on. He was really effective at Tennessee, despite playing within the confines of a system that had its issues Tennessee was really kind of in the 20th century playing 21st century offense the last couple of years. And Eric was still really effective despite poorest quarterback play, just okay play from the receivers and an offensive line that was a little more inconsistent than I think most of us expected with him moving on to Oklahoma and given his talent level in the scheme that Oklahoma running backs operate within and the success Oklahoma running backs have had over the years, we just expect him to blow up. And he's a guy we were really kind of willing to make a bet on. But uh, I certainly think there are other running backs in this class that could factor in. I'm a big Jerry on Ely fan from Ole Miss. He's one of the most dynamic rushers in the country. He hasn't had a ton of production in his career, kind of splitting time as a baseball player, but I think he's got high round one ceiling and uh, I'm sure Andrew's got a couple guys he could mention as well. Yeah, Chris, this is one, you know, we kind of went back and forth uh, in terms of different names. I think me and you traded texts on like five or six different guys. And look, you know, I, I pegged a, a running back to the Miami Dolphins just because that's like the missing piece in South Florida. Again, I'm down here. You know, I hear it on the local sports radio all the time. All the Dolphins fans wanted them to take a guy in the second or third round, and, and they didn't do that. So we felt like we had to get a running back in here, uh, and it could have went in a ton of different directions. Isaiah Spiller at, at Texas A&M. Eric Gray's the one we obviously went with. And another guy I'll toss out there, Kyron Williams at Notre Dame. You know, I think he is someone that can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So would not be surprised, you know, if uh, come April 2022, when when everyone's in Las Vegas, uh, if he works his way, you know, into that top 60 picks or whatnot, or uh, that Friday of the NFL draft, you know, some team is trading up to, to snag him. Kyron's one of the best pass blocking running backs in the country, even as a redshirt freshman last year, like Brian Kelly needs his backs to do that. And that's just another kind of trait for him that you can check off that NFL teams love. Andrew being down there in South Florida, do Dolphins fans not believe that, uh, was it Salvin Ahmed and, uh, and Miles Gaskin are the, are the running back tandem of the future for, for the Dolphins? I think all Dolphins fans just want them to find <laughs> as many weapons as they can for Tua Tagovailoa. So yeah, th- no, that they're, they're not. It's funny. There's a guy that lives down the street from me that actually went to Washington, and he's a, he's a big Salvin Ahmed, Ahmed fan. So. So guys, a few more for me, you and you both can chime in on this one. You have five quarterbacks going the first round right now. You know, looking back at a couple early mock drafts from 2021, Zach Wilson was nowhere to be found on any of them. Are there any quarterbacks you have projected in round one or frankly don't that you could foresee being 2022's Zach Wilson? If you want to talk about 
quarterbacks like Zach Wilson, I think Keaton Slovis is a great place to start. Like I know for a fact, he's actually working with the same people at 3DQB. Zach Wilson did last spring. I know Keaton spent hours upon hours with that group kind of refining his mechanics. They were really out of sorts last year. He had a shoulder injury as a freshman that carried over kind of into last season. And he lost a ton of confidence as a thrower. He said last year, he was just kind of, he talked to me earlier this spring and he was just describing hoping the ball goes where he wants to, as opposed to expecting the ball to kind of go where it goes with his kind of arm talent. And I think he's a guy with a really strong season at USC could easily be a top 10 pick come next year. He's not a physical, physically like imposing athlete or a super dynamic athlete when you talk about having to play out of structure, but he is effective at throwing from multiple arm angles. He's got great arm strength. He has a lot of production and he's just kind of a winner and he's proven that throughout his career. So I think he's a guy who could rise up draft boards pretty quickly. I got two for you, Lance, and maybe these have appeared in, in some mock drafts. They they weren't in ours, and, and they're two power five guys. But look, I, I think Matt Corral at Ole Miss and, and Brock Purdy at Iowa State, those are guys definitely with first round, let's call it ceilings. Look, I mean, Matt Corral is a fun player to watch, especially with Lane Kiffin being there in Oxford. And I would imagine he's only going to fill the stat book even more this upcoming season in, in terms of throwing it around. And then Brock Purdy, you know, he was really good as a freshman, maybe not regressed a little bit as a sophomore, but look, there, there was some people, you know, uh, this time last year that thought had him top five picks. So, you know, can he, he re- refine that in, in the Cyclones offense? So those are two guys. I, Matt Crowell would be the one for me, though, that, you know, I, I just think he has that gunslinger mentality and that's kind of what they want in the NFL these days. I'm a, I'm a big Matt Corral fan as well. And one more, and this is like totally off the radar, but we saw last year Steve Starkeesian transform Mac Jones from kind of an afterthought to an NFL draft pick, first round pick at that. And he's going to have likely a redshirt junior quarterback again at Texas this year in Casey Thompson. We saw Casey in the Alamo Bowl throw four, t- four touchdowns in about a quarter and a half. Casey's the type of athlete that I think if given the runway with Texas's wide receiver group that could really emerge as an early round draft pick potentially. So last one for me, guys. And again, both of you feel free to chime in. In your minds, who was the biggest snub of this mock draft? Who was the one guy you had the most difficulty in leaving out of the first round? I'll take this one. There were a couple. Henry Toto didn't have a destination. Now that he's at Alabama, I think there's a legitimate possibility he kind of emerges as a first round pick uh, playing next to Christian Harris. We already had mocked in the first round. If you want to talk about the offensive side of the ball, I was a big Jerry on Ely fan. I mentioned earlier at running back, but I also think a couple of linemen could emerge in that mix. Charles Cross at Mississippi State, a former five-star for us, is a guy who I think has probably the best ceiling of any lineman in this draft class. He just needs to kind of get a little stronger and continue to refine his play. If he is elite next year for Mississippi State, I think he has a top five draft pick ceiling. So those are a couple guys that I think Andrew and I discussing it were really high on, but we just wanted to leave out for now. Chris Hummer and Andrew Ivins, guys, thanks so much for joining me. We're a little less than a year, I guess, until the 2022 draft. But let's be real. We all keep close tabs on who gets mocked to our favorite teams as the NFL and college seasons progress. Make sure to rate, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. A new episode every single day. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Lance Glenn. I hope everyone has a great rest of your Monday. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Monday. Federal agents. Here's what we can see them. 
NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.